welcome to the Nursling Podcast, where we talk about everything that has to do with nurses. I'm your host, Amina, and my co-host is not here right now. Um, so today I thought, I thought speaking about uh, the topic, are there really enough nurses, was a good topic to uh, discuss. I recently watched a New York Times video, got like 1.7 million views about roughly around three months ago now. It's called Hospital Greed is Destroying Our Nurses. Here's why. And it starts out with nurses who are, I guess, a vast array of different nurses. Uh, One of them mentioned that she was in critical care and she would never go back into critical care because in the, you know, of staffing shortages or lack of, lack of nurses in the job and how it's completely unsafe. They're unable to get their, to their patients on time. Some patients were found two hours later soiled and how terrible this made one nurse specifically feel in the, in the piece. A couple of the nurses started to talk about how um, one of the nurses mentioned that she was told by management or you know, supervisors or whomever as she was a staff nurse that it's simply not in the budget to hire more nurses. And I thought that was kind of interesting. I mean, or not so interesting because the the premise behind it was uh, hospital greed. And this is why, because hospitals uh, actually work off of flex staffing, which is, I guess, minimum staffing. And I thought, okay, maybe this is true maybe this is not true. Let's explore it deeper. And as I did so, I found some more information, you know, and it it brought me back to things that I had been reading prior to that were able to piece things together, like piece the puzzle together. So what I found is from emergingleaders.com, are there really enough nurses? Basically, they are critiquing the uh, op-ed video published uh, from by the New York Times. And they are siding 100% with the nurses and talking about how it is extremely painful and emotional to watch nurses talk about how difficult their job is right now. And I'm sure it didn't just start right now. Um, it's been exacerbated and is slowly, slowly, but surely been bleeding. And now it is pretty much all up in our faces. Rose Rose Sherman, who's a nurse, she states differently from this New York Times uh, op-ed. And, you know, I mean, New York Times got about 1.7 million views online. People watch more videos than anything. And I'm not discrediting anybody who actually reads something on paper. It's not what I'm saying at all. I religiously listen to audiobooks and listen to podcasts and whatnot. But my point is, is that a lot of people have been reached by this video and possibly have already come to the conclusion that the issue is just greedy hospitals. While I would love to, I would love to say that that's the, the, uh, the issue exploring it further has showed me otherwise. Maybe we do have greedy hospitals that that possibly take from patients and charge way more to insurance companies than other hospitals, depending on if you're one hospital to the next. But like I said, I'd love to, I'd love to just blame the hospital, right? But 
the claim the claim is simply not true. Um, while there are four million active licensed nurses in the U.S., and that does seem like a vast number, you don't. That doesn't mean that we have a ton of nurses that are willing uh, and able to work in acute care. So a couple of the things that were pointed out in the article are nurses often keep their license active for years after they retire, right? So uh, there's a statistic here based off of the 2020 workforce data published in, published by the National Council of State Boards of Nursing. So about only 84.1% of nurses hold active licenses are actually working, and the remaining 15.9% are already fully retired. So 84% active license, 15.9% are already fully retired. Then there's the nursing workforce. The nursing workforce is rapidly aging, with the median age being about 52, and 42.5% of the nursing workforce is over 55. So we have a lot older nurses. Nothing against that, but that means almost half of the nursing population is a is about 52 and or 55, right? So let's explore it further. 64% or 64.5% of nurses who worked in, who worked were full-time in 2020, meaning many of those working had already reduced their hours. 19% of the workforce was over 65 in 2020. And a significant percentage of these nurses were already considering retirement. Of course, right? I mean, at that point, you've been in nursing for a ridiculous amount of time, long time. You've honed in on your craft wherever you may be in life, and you should be thinking about retiring. Of course, if you don't want to retire, that's a different story. Um, the Department of Labor has projected an additional 500,000 nurses, uh, nurse retirements by 2022, leaving the country with a potential nursing shortage of up to 1 million nurses. Now, uh, I've seen a lot where nurses say there are enough nurses and it's circulating around Facebook groups and conversations in the hospital where we do have enough nurses. We have more than, you know, three to four million nurses and and that's that, you know, there there must be another reason. I'm not saying that um, the New York Times video was not touching in many ways, and they are also trying to push, um, you know, safe staffing ratios, which I am 100% for. Um, But if they're going to lie within that message or skew, not even skew data because they didn't put any data forth, um, it's just wrong. You know, we all want the same things, but we don't have to lie to get there. Uh, Nurses are short-staffed, whether... We want to blame it on hospital greed or not. Uh, I I believe I was reading somewhere else, actually, in reference to this article that there's not enough, there's not enough educators, instructors, nursing instructors who are available in order to fill the role. I guess my, my biggest point is I would love, love for there to be a quick solution to our short staffing problems. Um, but we also have to be informative in our approach as we nurses are more and more in the limelight. Um, and we don't want to be part of the individuals who lie to each other. I mean, nurses are a trusted profession. We come forth when we do something wrong. We apologize to patients who are dicky to us and understand that they are in a tough situation and 
they can't control their emotions in that moment, but we can move forward together and possibly come to some sort of agreement, right? But we, like I said, we have to, we have to have some merit in getting our messages across. And while we're not perfect, it doesn't allow the excuse for just lying. Unless this New York Times op-ed has any further information that I'm not looking at, I can totally continue to do continue to read and um, look for information on this. But it just seems blatantly honest that they're just they're just not being honest. All right. Well, I think that's all I really wanted to talk about. I mean, I can touch on other things in um, upcoming upcoming podcasts, but I thought that this was important. I mean, I, I, I think, I think, I think another thing that's not mentioned is, uh, the amount of new graduates that are, that are not remaining, um, at the bedside, which is highlighted in the article as well, which, you know, if you go to the hospital, you speak to older nurses, you speak to seasoned nurses, I'll say instead, they talk about this, they say, you know, these, these nurses will stay here six months to two years and leave. And I remember a nurse blatantly to my face saying this, as she worked with me in my first nursing role, and I didn't stay there but for six months, and I broke my nursing contract. Not I mean, it wasn't for the same reasons that she's mentioning. It's really not because I wanted to, um, in the article, it states like nurses are not really staying in critical care roles. They're trying to go back to school possibly in one instance and go to graduate school. And then other nurses are breaking residency to travel when they're possibly not fully competent to work. Right. I didn't do that. I mean, uh, I actually just went to a different hospital that I thought would possibly treat me better. And it might have not been the best hospital that I've ever worked at, but I had camaraderie there. I had people who supported me. I had met a ton of different nurses, friends, nurses who worked there, PRN, and uh, were from, you know, hospitals in the city, trauma trauma hospitals. And I, I just got to pick their brain and it didn't feel, um, it just felt so much better being there versus my first nursing my first nursing gig. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's, that's pretty much it. And I'd like to wrap that up. If I know frustration, continues to grow and build, uh, amongst patients. And I understand that, but I'm here more to talk about the nursing aspect of things. But the reason I bring up the patient portion is because it bleeds onto us nurses. Patients are frustrated. They're waiting long hours, uh, waiting for freaking six or seven hours in order to get specific, specific done, specific things done in the ER because the load is ridiculous. Um, it weighs on everybody. Uh, and while I'm not making an excuse for our patients to treat us poorly, I also think the bigger picture uh, tells us that there's way more going on. So, I don't know. I think having this information out there is important. Um, being honest with each other, uh, having conversations in relation to this stuff um, is important as well. And um, yep, uh, that's it for me. Take care. Bye.